Matt Sullivan here to remind you to stop putting screens on your gutters. Better to schedule a free estimate with the local experts at Gutter Helmet so you stay off the ladder. Visit GutterHelmetIndy.com. With Gutter Helmet, you'll never clean your gutters again. GutterHelmetIndy.com. Good morning. It is Thursday, March 9th. It is five minutes after 11. It's Kendall and Casey on 93 WIBC. Thank you so much for listening today. If you'd like to watch, you can do that too. Just go to YouTube and then in the YouTube search bar, type in Kendall and Casey. Also, Kevin and I put together the Kendall and Casey playlist every day on Spotify. If you'd like to uh, get that music, just head over there and also type in Kendall and Casey and follow the playlist and you'll get every day's new release of tracks. So a federal judge in Florida agreed with the state's attorney that the policy of Joe Biden's administration to release many people who illegally cross the U.S.-Mexican border rather than detaining them violates U.S. immigration law. So Biden's catch and release border policy has been struck down by a U.S. judge. It is a scary thought to know that we essentially have no actual plan on how to deal with the southern border think think about that i mean if i were to say to you like so with trump you would say okay what was trump's plan well trump's plan was to build the wall beef up border enforcement expanded technology get these people out of this country as fast as possible what is the actual biden plan other than as many illegal immigrants in this country as humanly possible stumbling around with chuck schumer (laughs) <laughs> Who needs to hold his arm to lead him into a room? Uh, it, it, it's amazing. We talk about this a lot. So like Abdul is running for mayor. And there really are four, if you are a mayor, there are really four cornerstones of being a mayor, right? Okay, so there's trash, mm-hmm. there's snow removal, mm-hmm. there's roads, and public safety. In the case of Joe Hogsett, I don't know about the trash, but the other three stinks at all of them, right? So if you're a mayor... You shouldn't be doing anything else if you can't do these four things well. The ribbon cuttings, the blah, 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 it doesn't matter. It doesn't mean anything to anyone if you can't do the four things. Same thing with being president, right? I mean, there's a a core group of things that you are responsible for, and one of the top, if not the top one, probably the top one, is the security of the nation. Safety of Americans. Of which the border Mm -hmm. is part of national security. Mm -hmm. And Biden is beyond awful at it. And doesn't care at all. Okay, so the senator from Alabama is introducing a measure that would force Homeland Security Secretary Mayorkas to enhance border security and let state attorneys general sue DHS if it fails to fulfill its duties. Like, do it or you're out of here. So the FBI director, Christopher Wray, uh, was on Capitol Hill yesterday and he just freely, freely admits they cannot keep tabs on the illegal immigrants coming into the country. We're not able to keep tabs on every single person yeah. who comes in, certainly. We have all sorts of investigations into certain people uh, who get in, and we try to work very hard on both sides of the border to prevent, to support uh, DHS's efforts and, and to some extent our neighbors south of the border from preventing them from coming in. Okay, so just a reminder that Title 42 is going to end in two months. And since Biden took office, 4.8 million illegal immigrants have entered the country. And let's put that into some perspective for you. 4.8 million. That's equal to the entire population of the state of Alabama. Yeah. 
So, so there an are, entire state of people have illegally yes. entered our country. Yes, and they don't they don't care at all because that's what they want. You could not do what Biden has done unintentionally. The very clear goal, and all you have to do is listen to what these people said. Mm-hmm. They've said it for years. There are a large group of people in this country, and it's very scary because of all the great things this country has done and stood for, who believe America is inherently evil from its inception, and it is irredeemable, and it cannot be saved. And the only way to, quote-unquote, fix it is to burn it to the ground and build it back up in some radical left Marxist image that these people see fit. They're trying to destroy this country. Mm -hmm. There's no way you can consistently do the things that Joe Biden does Mm -hmm. if you were not trying to destroy America. What person, regardless of party, unless you are just for mass illegal immigration because you believe, you don't believe in borders, you don't believe in American exceptionalism, you don't believe in American sovereignty, There's no way you could just keep on a daily basis just letting these people waltz in Mm -hmm. without any sort of plan or changing of plans or there's nothing. They want these people here. Mm -hmm. They're here because they want mass illegal immigration. And and what are they bringing with them? Deadly drugs. Some of these people are on terrorist watch lists. Just bad actors pouring in to the country, unobstructed. Sovereignty matters. It matters. And it is important. 4.8 million illegal immigrants since that guy took office. Casey, can we talk about something else ridiculous that the Biden administration is doing? Oh, spin the wheel. I mean, where are we going to land today? (laughs) And they are, that is, they are still refusing to let people into the country Mm -hmm. if they don't have a vaccine. Okay, so Ron DeSantis asked the president to allow... Novak Djokovic. Good job. Into the United States to play in an upcoming Miami Open, even though he's unvaccinated. And and, and he is arguably. Superstar. Yeah, he's arguably the best tennis player in the world. I don't know if he's actually ranked number one. Probably not because he got banned from a bunch of places mm-hmm. because he wasn't vaccinated and didn't play in a bunch of the larger tournaments for a while. But he is attempting to play in the Miami Open, mm-hmm. and it is one of the best tennis players in the world. And they are refusing to let him come into the city of Miami Mm -hmm. because he does not have the vaccine. (laughs) DeSantis wondered if he could come in by boat. But here's an idea. Why doesn't he just walk across the southern border with all the other unvaccinated (laughs) people? Just blend right in. You know, Casey. And then skedaddle over to Miami and play tennis. If you were to remove the danger associated with it, and by that I mean, you know, obviously there is immense danger in terms of the coyotes and the people you would associate with in order to do it. And that's on top of the actual danger of attempting to cross into the country. Mm -hmm. Uh, It would be fascinating to see him do that because I'm sure he could do it and he's wealthy enough he could pay someone to ensure. And the publicity that would come along. If he just shows up in in Miami and goes, hey, I just pulled a, an illegal immigrant. What, somebody Where, ha- what's the problem? Where's my free stuff? Right. Where's my iPhone? That'd be great. Where's my Where's my lawyer and my medical care? So Corinne Jean-Pierre got asked about this since the vaccine in most cases doesn't work. If it, do, it does work, it does for a very short period of time. It doesn't prevent you from getting or spreading COVID, blah, blah, blah. We know all that now. Mm-hmm. Uh, she got asked about this and she said, nope, not letting him in. 
Governor Ron DeSantis uh, has now called on President Biden to allow uh, the tennis player Novak Djokovic to compete in the Miami Open despite him being unvaccinated for COVID-19. Uh, do you guys have a response to that? So on a question of regarding the vaccination requirement, I refer you to the CDC. They're the ones who uh, who deal with that. It's still in place, uh, and we expect everyone to abide by our country's rule, whether as a participant or a spectator. And uh, as for what goes on specifically with the BNP, uh, open those are those are questions for them it is a private entity and so we will uh, let them speak to that but again this is something that the cdc uh, speaks to yeah pass the buck let him play okay so he requested a vaccine waiver which would allow him to come into the country but it was rejected by homeland security why is he a bigger threat than me i mean we're the same This is how stupid all of this has become. And no one can answer this question because there is no answer for it. Because the actual answer is, he's not. I could go to Miami right now. Mm -hmm. I go sit in the stands. Mm -hmm. I could hang out. Mm -hmm. I could fly down there. I have a good time. Why is this guy any more of a threat to anyone than me? If he doesn't have COVID, what does it matter? And this is uh, the point where I'd like to remind you that Biden declared the pandemic is over. That's right. That's correct. Yes, he did. Yes, But yet still not allowed in. Um, Casey, when we come back, Mm -hmm. I would like to play two pieces of audio from the squad. Okay. I mean, we know how stupid these people are, but they put it on full display yesterday (laughs) with the chairman of the Federal Reserve. Mm -hmm. I mean, these women are just, and I know, I know it's the day after International Women's Day. Yeah. Uh, and I'm not trying to speak ill of women. I mean, if they'd been men, I would be speaking ill of them, too. They're morons. They're just like the sign there that people can see on the YouTube. You'd like to see my little sign I've got. I think I'm going to do this every day, Casey, by the way. For those of you who watch on YouTube, I'll give you a little treat. I'm going to do a little something different as the background every single day on yeah. the Kendall and Casey YouTube feed. Yeah, and today's sign, it says... Uh, my governor is an idiot, pure <laughs> moron, play on Pure Michigan. It's Kendall and Casey on 93 WIBC. 15 minutes after 11 with Kendall and Casey on 93 WIBC. Trending this hour, Sunny D. They have announced the development of an orange-flavored vodka seltzer drink. A lot of people are up in arms about this, that Sunny D, which is typically a children's beverage, would come out with an adult beverage. But alas, there it is. A lot of people use Sunny D and add vodka to it to make their adult <laughs> drinks, so they're just taking out the middleman. Also trending, Harry and Meghan. Uh-huh. Okay, Prince Harry and his wife Meghan have announced that their daughter has been christened in a private ceremony in California, and they are now publicly calling her a princess and revealing for the first time that they will use royal titles for their children. Princess Lilibet Diana will turn two in June. She was baptized on Friday. And finally trending, what are we, two and a half months away from uh, race day? Yeah, into May. It was a big day yesterday for IMS ticket holders. Here we go. All right, all you Indy 500 knuckleheads, it's a good day. We're at the Speedway and uh, in the ticket office. Check this out. They let me in. It's going down. Today's... The day those blue envelopes go out, baby. Today's the day. <laughs> this one's going to Thomas Austin in Brownsburg. Hey, Thomas, there's your tickets. Hey, there you go. They're on the way. Yeah, special mail going out for the IMS ticket holders. Yeah. 
Oh, no, Hammer will be there. It is, uh, it's very, very nice for those of us who lived through the mid and late 90s and saw the collapse of the 500 and the split and mm-hmm. everything else. It's been very nice to see the resurgence of, of uh, uh, 16th Georgetown and, and the resurgence of the Indy 500. And uh, it's great, great, great for the city. And they put on an awesome race every year. May in Indianapolis. A good time to be here. 20 after 11 with Kendall and Casey on 93 WIBC. So the Federal Reserve Chairman Jerome Powell cleared the way for larger interest rate hikes at this month's central bank policy meeting. It did send the markets a bit into a tailspin. In his remarks to the Senate Committee on Banking, he said that economically painful interest rate hikes are, quote, likely to be higher than previously anticipated. Uh-huh. And that as a result, the labor market will also very likely weaken. So they're raising interest rates to get inflation under control. Mm -hmm. No matter how high they raise the interest rates, they can't get inflation under control. Why, Casey? Because the government won't stop printing the money. money. Yeah, Yeah, right. We've been telling you this for multiple years now on this show. It's not hard. It's not that the government doesn't understand it. It's the government doesn't want to do it. And what the government does, because they are complete hypocrites who pass blame onto everyone else, just like here, Mm -hmm. you've got state reps saying the property tax increase is Joe Biden's fault. I mean, this is what all these people do. Democrats, Republicans, state, federal, whatever. doesn't matter. They're just blame shifters. Nobody raises their hand and said, yep, did it. I'm going to fix it. That's all people want. You did it. You broke it. Fix it. Their thing now is, well, this is Jerome Powell's fault. Mm. This is the, the, It's always the Federal Reserve, right? Because nobody actually knows what the Federal Reserve does. So <laughs> Jerome Powell, who I'm not by any means a fan of, I'm not a, I don't dislike him per se, but I, it's not, I'm, I'm not a cheerleader for him. He um, testified in front of the Congress mm-hmm. yesterday. Mm-hmm. And he had multiple interactions with members of the squad Mm-hmm. who showed, put on full display, just how stupid, mm-hmm. how intellectually void of anything these people are. I'm not talking about, like, I am a, their liberalism. I, I'm talking about just how genuinely stupid these people are, and they're some of the most powerful people in the entire country, and they make decisions over all swaths of our existence, including... The economy. They're on these committees that decide things that relate to the economy. And we're going to play you a couple of these clips. It, it should scare the hell out of everyone that these, I'm saying these women, I'm not saying it because they're women, but they're both women. So I'm just going to say these women mm-hmm. are in any sort of position of power. We're going to start with Rashida Tlaib. Oh, boy. And she is, I believe, from the Detroit area. She's yep. the one who hates cops and, mm-hmm. you know, just a bevy, I mean, just a laundry list of awful. So she is talking to Powell, and she references Ben Bernanke. The former chair. But yes, Ben Bernanke, if you, now the average person, if you stopped somebody on the street and said, who is Ben Bernanke, they may not be able to tell you. But the average person is not in the member of Congress and is not on some committee that des- that decides Not just any committee, economics. Ross. She's on the Financial exactly. Services Committee. Exactly. So, and Ben Bernanke is an incredibly important figure in American history, recent. I mean, we're not talking like somebody, well, he was there when the Taft administration. (laughs) He was there, the chairman of the Federal Reserve, during the economic collapse 
of 2008, 2009, Bush administration. He was the the guy, right? He was all over TV every single day. His nickname was Cranky Bernanke. I mean, it was a if if you have any semblance of history or knowledge or anything, mm-hmm. you should know who this guy is. If you're sitting on the Financial Services Committee, you should know who he is. And, Do a little research if you're not aware. And you're going to hear this audio in which on multiple occasions she cannot pronounce his name. It's not because she's stuttering. It's a hard name. It's got a lot of consonants next mm-hmm. to each other. Mm-hmm. She genuinely... She doesn't know. She has no idea who he is. Absolutely none. Go. Of the authority. Now, you've mentioned that in the face of another financial crisis, you would use the same tools of expanding the balance sheet and purchasing long-term bonds. In other words, more of, of the same, correct? Yes. So I'm afraid that's simply not good enough. I mean, I think... Your predecessor's former uh, chair is yelling, and I believe it's Bernanke, uh, <laughs> seem to agree based on remarks both that gave last month. Um, for instance, Chairman Bernanke has suggested a money finance fiscal <laughs> okay. program okay. might again. be helpful uh, during the next... She did it again! She has no idea who this guy is. She has no idea when he was the chairman. Uh, that's not good enough. But she's going to tell mm-hmm. Jerome Powell, Powell what he's doing wrong. Right, that's not good enough. It, it could, you know, Again, if it's a thing, you know, there are some names that are just hard for people to pronounce. But she goes, I believe it is, which means she has no idea. It's like she's going, oh, man, that's a really hard one to say, or not that Bernanke is that all that hard of a name to say. These people are idiots, Casey. <laughs> oh, wait, 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 wait. There's it, more. It gets better. It gets better. So another one of these lunatic squad people. <laughs> I, there's so many of them, Casey. It's just unbelievable. It's like a never-ending ball of, of awfulness. Um, Ayanna Presley. Mm-hmm. she goes at it with Bernanke, mm-hmm. and he totally puts her in her place about inflation and who's causing it and what's going on. It's you people that cause the inflation, not Jerome Powell. Could you elaborate, um, what is this effect to communities, families, and businesses, these interest rate hikes? Well, um, right now we're, we're trying to bring down inflation on behalf of all those families. Uh, I think high inflation is hurting, particularly working families all around the country, very badly. And as you know, uh, if, you're, if you're on a very limited budget and you don't have a lot of excess earnings, when prices start going up, you're in trouble right away. People, up middle and upper middle class people have more resources. So we think it's absolutely critical for the working people of this country that we get inflation back under control. And also, while, while we're at it, we have a dual mandate. Apologies, we, Mr. Chair. I'm just reclaiming my time here. So she cut him off, <laughs> and I wasn't going to subject our audience to anything else she had to say. He's the chair of the Federal Reserve. Mm-hmm. You and your friends... The one friend can't even pronounce Ben Bernanke's name, and we're supposed to give two dams about what you say about the economy. No wonder we're in the position we're in, Casey. Okay, so eventually politicians are going to start putting pressure on the Fed, and that's going to be dangerous because then he's going to start making policy based on politics rather than the economy. And we're going to find out pretty quick what kind of moxie he has because he knows that he messed up a couple years ago. He didn't start reigning in the rates sooner, transitory, blah, 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 blah. Now he said he's going to stay on this. We've got election season coming up. Politicians want to be elected. So will he do the right thing and continue to raise rates or is he going to cave? We're at six and a half percent inflation. That is triple, 
triple what the target is. Yeah. All right, Casey, when we come back, uh, Chuck Schumer got invited to go on Tucker Carlson, and that didn't go well. (laughs) He said, nah, and we'll get into that coming up from 93 WIBC. Kendall and Casey on 93 WIBC. It is 1132. So House Speaker Kevin McCarthy standing by his decision to grant Fox News' Tucker Carlson access to the raw security footage from January 6th, telling reporters that he has no regrets. Yeah, you know Kevin McCarthy, the boyfriend of Marjorie Taylor Greene. He also also serves as the Speaker of the House of Representatives. Uh, He gave Tucker Carlson the video. That was Mm -hmm. a very good thing of him to do. Don't kid yourself. He didn't. uh, Mike and I, Micah was doing Statehouse Happenings with me this morning. We were putting the podcast together. And uh, Micah was praising Kevin McCarthy for this. And I said, Micah, if someone gives you $100, Mm -hmm. but they did it at gunpoint... (laughs) They didn't actually want to give you the $100. They did it because their life was on the line. But he kept his word. He did. For now. On that. Yes, for now. But he doesn't want to do it. Yeah. He doesn't He doesn't want to help the conservative cause. He has to do it to keep his speakership. But you're right. He did give Tucker Carlson the tapes. It mm-hmm. has done way more for transparency than anything that came out of the January 6th committee. And he got asked about this yesterday at the Capitol. I, I said at the very beginning, transparency. And so what I wanted to produce for everybody is exactly what I said, that people could actually look at it and see what's gone on that day. So. But why, for, but why for Mr. Speaker? Each person come up with their own conclusion, but I, what I just want to make sure is I had transparency. Do you believe because I know in CNN, I mean, I had here where you guys actually broke where we were. This was a secret location, Fort McLaren. I don't know if you got concerned by that. I don't even know from a point of view of security if we could ever be taken there again. But when you broke that at CNN, that was a real concern to a lot of people. I had a real concern also when I wanted to make sure transparency looked. Um, the officer's death is tragic in the, uh, any time of officer is passed uh, in this situation. Uh, I want to make sure they're protected. I want to make sure the transparency is, goes forward. Okay, so he has a little bit more faith in the intelligence of the American people than it seems like most in Washington, because he said each person, come up with your own conclusion. Whereas Schumer wants to spoon feed you the narrative. Here, take this. Uh, sidebar, McCarthy has refused Zelensky's invitation to visit Kiev, Ukraine. He said he's against blank checks for Ukraine, so he's not going. Real quick, um, Chuck Schumer was offered an opportunity to go on with Tucker Carlson. Of course, he did that big spiel the other day about mm-hmm. how much Tucker Carlson was bad and awful and terrible and blah, blah, blah. And it is my understanding he has declined. He said, I was invited on Tucker Carlson's show. I will agree to go on after Tucker admits to his viewers live on the air (laughs) that he has been lying to them about the 2020 elections and about what happened on January 6th. So here's a guy who thinks that he is so important that he is going to tell the guy who has the highest rated show what he's going to say. Yes. It's almost like... That time, remember the one guy who kept lighting up, what was his name? The hotline? Te- the Tesla guy. Teshka. Who was that lunatic who kept calling us incessantly and then claimed he didn't know anything about the show, but yet mm-hmm. he had the number to the hotline. And yeah. Remember the state rep guy? What was it, Tesla? It's Jake Teshka. Jake Teshka, yeah. It's almost like these elected people believe they're entitled to do whatever they want and mm-hmm. that they're better than everyone. Right. Like they can control the media? Yeah. Yeah. Wh- 
Wait a minute. By the way, we've been asking what? the Tesla guy to come on for weeks now to explain the million and a half dollars in raises, and our hotline is not ringing. Mm-hmm. And he has the number. Hey, Casey. Yeah. Big, big segment when we come back. Yes. You uh, you had this interview with these amazing people. I can't wait to hear it. Oh, my gosh. It is an incredible story. A local author detailing his incredible and his family's incredible battle with cancer. It is absolutely amazing. You won't want to miss it when we come back. John and Lindsay acting coming up next from 93 WIBC. WIBC. It is the Kendall and Casey show. I'm Rob Casey's here and we are joined in the studio now by John and Lindsay Acton and they are co-authors of the new book Broken Shells an imperfectly imperfect journey through cancer leadership and love just an absolutely incredible tale of dealing very gracefully and very boldly with a very serious illness. John, Lindsay, welcome to the program. John, let's start with you. Why did you decide to write this book? Cancer, for many people, is often such a a private challenge. You said, I'm gonna put it all out there. Why'd you write the book? First, thank you for having us. We we, um, greatly appreciate you and Casey and WIBC for letting us come on and and talk about this story. Uh, Yeah, it was not my my first, take or, or, or my first impression that I wanted to do this book. Um, I really had a little push from a, a blonde lady sitting next to me. <laughs> Your wife. Um, and we'll get to you in a second. <laughs> yeah. And she she's already an author. So w- when we were going through this process, uh, the one of the uh, aspects that kind of helped um, mend some of the, the broken aspects was I, I did start journaling, made a blog. Yeah. And um, just putting down some of your thoughts are, are helpful. And we as that blog continued to grow, um, Lindsay, along with her um, publisher editor, kind of it put some things in the back of my head, said, you ought to be able to turn this into a book. Um, I, I want to ask you a quick question before we bring Lindsay in, because you mentioned journaling, and, and I do this every night for my daughter, who is going to be born sometime in July, hopefully. And I started doing this several weeks ago to say, look, you'll never remember your thoughts the way you remember them in the moment. And di- did you find that you started learning things about yourself as you started journaling your own adventure? Uh, absolutely. You know, there, there's a there's a phrase called chemo fog, and it is absolutely 100% accurate that, that you kind of live somewhat in a, in a haze and you forget things. So by writing some things down, and, and now, now I've had to go back and, and write and rewrite, and my editor's kind of a pain, but as we put this stuff together, um, I, I, I really did remember some things, or I had forgotten some things, and, and by writing it down, it was it was very helpful. Um, and, and maybe one of the more, uh, to me, it's going to be one of the more impactful aspects of this chapter, is we did, of this book, we did a chapter where our boys wrote a chapter, and um, having them put down their thoughts, and now we we know what they were thinking at the time, and you know they were they were seven and thirteen, seven and fourteen at the time. Um, but just as you said, I, I wouldn't have remembered what, what they were thinking. John and Lindsay Acton are our guests. They have a brand new book, and it's out today, right? You can order it today. We'll get to that in just a second. It's called Broken Shells: A Perfectly Imperfect Journey Through Cancer, Leadership, and Love. So, Lindsay. 
take us through because you had you you were you were an, were an educator as well. You've had a book published. You actually had you on the show yeah. before mm-hmm. um, with that book. Take us through why you encouraged John to write this book because again, it's the same thing. As, a, as the support system for the person who has the thing, it's so hard. So few, few people understand it. They don't even want people to know in many cases. You said, no, put it all out there. Put all our business out in the open. Yeah. So um, I I think when we were going through it, like, you know, cancer touches everybody. Yeah. Um, our, our journey isn't unique in that... Um, that we're the only people who have ever had cancer in our house, you know, but our journey was unique in in the way that it happened. You know, uh, John was diagnosed with the same type of cancer that his two best friends were diagnosed with all in a 10 month window of each other. It was happening in the middle of COVID. Um, it was happening in the middle of just a, a storm of insanity in life. And so the things that our family was forced to sort of not in the plan deal with were things that um, while they weren't unique to the world they were unique in the way that they happened and and the storm in which they happened and so um, you know he John had to give up a lot of pieces of himself well you were superintendent yeah he was and um, so the before and after of our lives is incredibly different and it's incredibly um, sometimes still hard to process yeah. the things that you have to walk away from in order to become who you're supposed to be. Uh, John, I'll start with you on this, but I'd like for you both to answer this. Your kids are younger. I mean, one is getting ready to enter high school, which doesn't seem possible, but you, you, they're they're not adult children. They obviously weren't adult children when you got this diagnosis. How does that conversation go with your kids? How do you explain that to them? And not to in any way undermine any form of cancer, but this isn't like just, hey, skin cancer, and we've got to get this removed, and it's a great chance of survival. I mean, this was a very, very serious form of cancer with not a great survival rate, which is amazing you're doing as well as you're doing. How does that conversation go with young kids? It was. It's different, I think, with the the, the age bracket. So our, our older one, Jack, um, was thirteen at the time when we when they had the conversation. Um, I, I forget sometimes how mature and thought process this, you know young adults can be. Well, Jack had to process. Um, my best friend, which was a family friend we'd grown up with, Aaron, um, had had this, the same exact cancer, and, and he was two months further ahead down the road. Uh, but right out of the gate, he wasn't doing well. And then his aunt uh, had the same cancer and was not doing well. So, you know, you think uh, kids aren't going to project things. Well, he absolutely did. You know, you, you see these two other uh, important people in his life, then your dad rolls in with the same cancer. Um, it, it was a lot for him to process. Now, for the younger younger um, Andrew, um, I, I, I'm glad he didn't fully comprehend everything, and maybe even still to this day doesn't fully comprehend, but he understands um, that uh, Aaron went to heaven, that, that uh, Andrea, uh, Jack's uh, aunt, went, went to heaven, understands that process, and understands that I was really sick and took a whole bunch of medicine, and uh, uh, that was a possibility. And uh, I, there's probably some days, and I absolutely guarantee my wife guarantees that, that she would wish I was headed not out. But um, <laughs> it, it, it's a, a few. it's a it's a lot for it's a lot for the individual that has the disease to process. It's a lot for the, the caretaker, 
and, and it's a heck of a lot for the family yeah because uh, it's a complete disruption you know when we did radio together years ago i used to be able to sit and talk to you for an hour i can't do that today and there's so many things i want to get to so Lindsay, one of the things i wanted to ask you about this book and by the way Lindsay, john and Lindsay acton are a guest they have a brand new book out today broken shells perfectly imperfect journey through cancer leadership and love by the way where is the best place for people to get the book so uh we have a great website and it's www.brokenshells.net and you guys got merch i see the merch yeah it's right there people can order it right there they can order it right there it's Uh, super easy so i'm curious throughout this journey because John, you know, we don't see him every day, but he always seems like he's out and about in the community. He's rolling around in his Corvette, the tops down. <laughs> uh, he's having a good time. The um, is it a Corvette or is it con- it's just a convertible, isn't it? it well, the, the quick story is it was a that was our why not old Camaro we bought, uh-huh. and uh, three months later it got totaled out. <laughs> <laughs> So, well, I feel fortunate I got to see you, you drive in it, but but we don't get to see the day to day things that you guys go through. What is in this book? Why would it help people who are maybe going through similar things? How does it help those people deal with this very serious thing? Not only from John's perspective, but also yours as the caregiver. You know, I think um, I think the biggest thing in, in life is when we have an opportunity to not feel alone. When we have the opportunity to feel seen and known by other people and understood by other people. And so I think for for me, the biggest hope that I have is that someone out there who has this this journey and, and, and is going through it can say, yeah, me too, I understand, or that they know that there's someone out there who has has walked a similar path or who has um you know had to lose their entire life and build it back from scratch because that's essentially what we have had to do and um and while that has been tremendously painful and difficult and scary it's also been incredibly rewarding and incredibly like priority shifting um and there are still days when i have anger about it yeah um because i think that's just natural but Really, I think the Me Too, like, we can relate to these I, people. I love these. I actually think these books are way... You hear celebrities write books, and they write about things that they overcame, or these bestsellers. I think these books are more valuable for people because you guys live in the Brownsburg community. You are regular people in the Brownsburg community. There are people in every town who are going through what you are going through, and I think in a weird way... That probably helps people more than, hey, my favorite celebrity went through this. <laughs> right, Exactly. What did you learn by the time you got done with the end of this book, John? How were you different from when it when it started? Well, I, I I've talked about it in the book and talk about it in different presentations we give. You're you're on a journey to find your new your new self um, because your old self is gone, and and uh, that, that's a hard thing to, to say and a hard thing to admit, especially I think for a guy. Guys, we have egos and uh, we we climb our professional journey. And we think we've reached some things, and then it, it gets taken away, and and you you really do have to build yourself back up. So it's a process of, of all these things you've you've worked through in your life. You know, I'm an old coach and 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 teacher and, and principal and a superintendent. And the the, the concept is we're going to find a way to overcome these things. And but you're going to do that 
without the motivational music, without the cliches, you've got to find a way to, to find this inner strength on days that you don't want to. And sometimes the best thing that a cancer patient can do is just survive the day. And that's okay. You know, because, because every day you are making it through, you're, you're inching closer to the goal that you're trying to accomplish. But uh, uh, in no way do I want anyone to think that our journey is more difficult than anyone else's. In fact, I think it's probably easier than some. But um, everyone's journey is difficult. And whether it's cancer or we talk about it, whether it's cancer or diabetes, divorce or depression, everybody has something. Everybody's got stuff. Before we let you go, you started, you both a speaking kind of tour off of this. And you're speaking to businesses, you're speaking to schools, you go to sports teams. I find that I am uh, very nervous when I get up in front of large groups of people. Like there are probably 10,000 people or more hearing us right now. But it's just us here, so it's no big deal. Are you nervous when you get up in front of large groups of people? Because, of course, you told your story in the book, and you're telling a similar story in front of people, but it's just different when people are staring at you. I'll let Lynn go first. (laughs) (laughs) So... Yes and no. You know, last week we had um, the opportunity to be with um, teachers and staff members from Western Boone, and uh, we had a great time. We spoke together for the first time, um, and and I was a teacher for a long time, and so is John. So large groups don't bother me, but what does um, really hit hard is when I look out into the audience and I watch someone crying or feeling moved by what we're saying, and and I just want to like go, stop what I'm doing and go hug them. Um, because sometimes you do, sometimes writing a book, I said this about the first one, is it's like walking around naked in front of everyone, you yeah. know, and it's <laughs> a little scary. Um, but I think I'm a little bit more used to it now than I was. Yeah. And I think I'm teaching John a little bit about walking around naked in front of everybody he knows, <laughs> which is a little how it feels. John? I, you know, I, I, I've said this before, I, I will struggle more. Uh, talking in a small room with five people than I will in a room of 5,000. And, and I don't know why. I, I, it's just always kind of been uh, uh, how I've approached things. And I think uh, as a teacher, we're, we're on a stage. You know, you're, you're always on a stage and you're on, you know, between, it depends on your, your area, but as secondary, you're on stage six periods a day. And you don't think of it that way when you're teaching, but that's really what you are. So you're, I'm kind of used to talking to groups and large groups and as a coach, you know, large teams and things. So uh, in some regards, that's, that's been easier. Um, then and as Lynn said, when when I'm talking to someone and they've got a uh, similar disease or, or their prognosis is is uh, worse than mine, and th- th- those are those are difficult conversations, um, and uh, uh, it, it, it it I think it varies by situation. But we, we've been very blessed to be able to. to spread our message um you know to different groups and even now it's expanded out as you said to businesses and now associations so i i, I never would have uh, said uh, you know when i was in high school we both graduated the same place i yeah. never would have assumed that i would be an author i laughed you right off the <laughs> stage and now it's on my resume and and i'm proud of what we've done it's it, it's not perfect Lindsay is a much better writer than i am um, but it's pretty authentic, and and so um, um, you, you've I've given it my best shot, and and uh, hopefully it benefits somebody. We'll get everybody out of here with two uh, John Acton fun facts. Number one, he was a part of the Brownsburg Bulldogs 1984 state championship football team, uh, which is still the greatest football team in town history. <laughs> and it is known for anybody who lives in Brownsburg who is a town historian. John's dad has the nicest kept house in all of Brownsburg in a very prominent location. 
it, it, it's impossible to live up to the to the reputation of my parents. It's, it's impossible. <laughs> the book is Broken Shells, a perfectly imperfect journey through cancer, leadership, and love. And again, where can everybody get the book? You want to go to uh, www.brokenshells.net, and very soon we're expecting it to be available at Walmart, Target, Barnes & Noble. I love it. Everybody should get the book. Thank you, guys. Thank you very Thank much, Thank you Rob. so much. That's going to do it for us today. Have a great rest of your day. Thanks to Casey. Thanks to Kevin. We'll see you back here tomorrow at 9 until noon. It's Kendall and Casey Show on 93 WIBC.